Hello and welcome to the Career Explorations and Genomic Medicine Research Podcast. This program is sponsored by the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's Program for Precision Medicine and Healthcare. This Career Explorations program is aimed at undergraduate students. Our goals are to help you expand your knowledge of potential careers related to genomic medicine research. And we hope to increase your understanding of what you will need to do to become a member of the genomic medicine research workforce. We also want to help you build a supportive network of professionals. Each episode of this podcast series presents a conversation with a researcher or clinician who works in a particular aspect of genomic medicine research. Today, we are talking with Ed Finnerty, who is a research manager with the EPIC at UNC Electronic Health Record System. Okay, sure. No, glad to be here. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's good. I think a, a PhD in uh, bioinformatics sounds like a very worthy goal. Uh, and um, you can get that at UNC. Now, are you working in that program now? Um, I'm actually, so I've done like multiple research, I've had multiple research experiences. Um, uh -huh. right now I am doing the summer health informatics program at UNC. Uh -huh. Um, okay. so yeah, I am a part of that. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So, um, well, CompSci is a good background, definitely. Um, it's a good thing to have to be able to work with EHRs, but um, it's not maybe what you would think. So I'd start with that and say that what we do, what those of us who do the work on EPIC, um, most of what we do is technically configuration. So in other words, there are many, many, many ways to change things in EPIC to suit the institution that is using it, uh, even some things that are done per department or so forth, you know, that we make certain changes. And uh, most of what we do there, a very minor, well, I say very minor, but a minor part of it really is done in um, a text interface, which would be a command interface basically where you kind of have to know what's going on. None of it's actual coding. That doesn't mean there isn't any coding, but most of that takes place in Verona, Wisconsin, at EPIC. Uh, what they offer us is thousands of choices to make about what kind of uh, attributes our orders are going to have and who gets to see those orders and who gets to place them and how are they reviewed and when they go to billing, what's their path and how do we tag them and what do you do if you have to go back and collect uh, data on them for reporting and that would be just orders which multiply that by 30 different kinds of things that you have to do and uh, all of those are they're largely um, elements of uh, configuration so things that you're going to have to change well do we want the um, uh, PI to show up uh, first in the list of people who are on the research study. Uh, do we want to be the only one that's on the list? Do we want it to show on the re recruit recruitment page? Or we want it to, you know, there's many, many things just within one uh, uh, one area. Um, but it's it's really fascinating the things that that you get to to do. So. Um, uh, I, I did not come through this in any normal fashion, I would say that, and so the first thing that I would let you know is that you kind of, you know, when you 
set out. You kind of do certain types of things in education and, uh, you know, you try to put yourself in a position for what looks like a good um, career at the time. And um, then those things change. And so you adapt to, you know, the kinds of things that are going to come next. So I'll tell you that um, I started out, uh, uh, I have two master's degrees. I have one in psychology, which I started out with the intention. I was working in a uh, community uh, mental health center in Chicago. And while I was there, I picked up uh, uh picked up sounds like you just drive by and get it right no I had to actually enroll in uh, in uh, the courses and I, I did do a master's at that time thought I would continue in that uh, field so that that would have been helpful to me but I ended up not ending up uh, working in, in psychology very much longer after I got my master's degree there um, I also was pretty burned out. I worked a night shift in an emergency room in uh, a mental health center and uh, saw a lot of folks that uh, needed to go into the hospital right away. And there was a lot of things that, to deal with there. Plus, I moved across the country. And um, uh, though I looked at jobs in that field, uh, I wasn't that interested in them anymore. So I started working other stuff. And I actually entered myself in another master's degree program because I thought that the, what I really had learned so much about in psychology, what was useful to me really, was uh, uh, how people learn. And uh, I decided to kind of um, move myself into that area. So I took a, another master's degree here at Chapel Hill. Uh, and uh, this will be interesting to you. At that time, it was called Educational Media and Instructional Design because people using anything other than blackboards and uh, mimeograph paper was completely new to people at that time. Uh, and so we were the folks who would go out and help people decide how they might teach using slides, how they might get uh, their, um, and eventually how they might do it using computers, right? So um, you won't have these changes come so fast to you probably, but um, they all add up. So for instance, um, I then came into, um, uh, so I graduated from there, I worked in a community college, and then I worked in the UNC School of Public Health actually for a while. And I established a learning resource center there. One of the things that we had to do there was make people slides for them. Because this was not all on your phone. It wasn't even on your computer, you know. Uh, so we, we brought an Apple Macintosh into the schools of public health, School of Public Health, and we started to be able to create some graphics that people could use for presentations, et cetera. So I mention this not so you can know how old I am, which is pretty old, um, <clears throat> uh, and, um, but to realize that preparing myself for that career, and then I produced videos, I produced educational video for a long time. And this was actually in the time when, uh, let's say the video camera was pretty heavy. <laughs> you had to uh, uh, do the, spend a lot of time on uh, making sure that things were right. Now, of course, anybody can shoot video at a drop of a hat on their phone. So um, now people are producing from that. So learning a lot of stuff about using uh, heavy hardware in video, which I spent a good deal of time being able to do that. Uh, I wired up a whole studio, uh, and those things are 
they're hardly ever needed anymore. Now I'm watching TV, especially during the COVID epidemic, and I see these experts come on to talk about whatever, and they're all in their house doing it on on Skype or Zoom or WebEx or one of these applications. So, um, so uh, I moved into teleconferencing and worked with that for a while. I worked with the state of North Carolina, uh, put up 125 two-way video sites for us to begin teaching remotely and to begin doing uh, meetings and uh, other institutional activities on, uh, on tele video conferencing. Uh, again, those were things that you needed heavy hardware and specialized places to do uh, for a while. And um, so that kind of drifted into some other stuff. And um, uh, I did really do a lot of work with uh, instructors at community college and with professors in the School of Public Health, et cetera, to try to help them use more uh, media, use more graphics, uh, think about other ways to show people stuff. Uh, so then um, after that, though, um, I, uh, after I worked on the uh, two-way video inter interface, uh, I moved to the private sector and uh, worked with them again on sort of the same thing, trying to be able to teach people remotely. And I worked for a telecom company. We were teaching telecom executives remotely. And we had to set up labs that they could dial into and do things on uh, basically on, on phone switches, reprogram phone switches, uh, et cetera, and uh, set them up to do that. And, uh, did a whole bunch of other stuff for that company, ended up back in the uh, School of Medicine uh, uh, and um, worked there for several years at that time really trying to help people uh, do research, how to set up research, how to uh, work down research recruitment for a while. Uh, we built also a uh, clinical trial management system in the uh, out of uh, the School of Medicine and uh, then when it came time to bring EPIC, new medical record, to UNC, uh, I got drafted along with another person. We came from both from the Trax Institute, which is uh, uh, the uh, Clinical Translational uh, Science Award uh, NIH-funded facility at UNC. There's about 60 or so of these across the country, and they support research in a lot of different ways. So um, we were picked to go and work on EPIC, uh, spent about a year and a half working on bringing up EPIC, and then uh, my partner went back to the to tracks, and I moved to the hospital to manage EPIC research. So um, if you could think that that made any sense to me when I started out, or that I would think that I would be working in medical records for uh, uh, about 10 years now, um, that it doesn't really connect to the starting out in psychology or even learning about instructional media, which became a field that everybody can do on their own now, uh, uh, although instructional design is pretty useful still. Um, so I guess if the idea of these visits was to look at how somebody got to where you want to go and you could follow that path, I'm the worst example of that. <clears throat> now, on the other hand, I'm, I'm probably a decent example of moving to the next thing that comes up because I've done that all of my time. What's consistent is I have been almost always an implementer, uh, evangelist, explainer, helper of new technology. 
<clears throat> whether that was showing people how to use, you know, how to create graphics on the Mac or uh, how to use a medical record and making the medical record more useful for them and so forth. <clears throat> so that's my path to this point. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> I'll let you ask any questions that you have about that. We can certainly get into what we do on a day-to-day -day basis then, I guess, will be the next part. But So what do you think, Bria? Do you think that um, <clears throat> you'll have a straightforward path? <laughs> um. I don't think I'll have a straightforward path. I just graduated and I actually do plan on working in industry for a couple of years before going to grad school. So yeah, like I start my job, my full-time job in September. Um, so yeah, I don't think it'll be like straight from college to grad school. Do plan on taking some gap years out. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I think I'm headed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. And that's good. So you've already landed a position. Yeah, I'll be a premier field engineer at Microsoft. Cool. Yeah, and actually it's funny that you say that you you help people with technology because um, that's basically like my role. I work with a lot of Microsoft's customers and help them integrate Microsoft's products with their technology I'm yeah. still able to code, but definitely like not the hard software developer. Um, uh -huh. But still, and using technology, still I'm coding. So it's really cool to hear that you know part of your role is to help people get acquainted with these technologies because a lot of people don't know how to use them. <laughs> right, that's absolutely true. <laughs> that's absolutely true. And it was uh, I kind of moved from one technology to the next. Like once they figured out how to you know make their own slides and. Then video, uh, you know, uh, large-scale video conferencing networks and stuff like that, and then of course into some of these other items. So, um, yeah, I think that's a great path for you. Sounds sounds really good. Um, it is really interesting to have the viewpoint of working in different places. So I have been able to to work in state government, in education at both the uh, university and at the community college level to work in healthcare, uh, as well as work in, in um, telecom. So um, it's really interesting to see how the cultures are different, how things get done differently, uh, how, how the uh, private sector pays you better than the, the public sector does. Um, <clears throat> but um, it's also different ways of making decisions I think the biggest thing that I see in the cultural changes is that in the academic sense, in the um, uh, university setting, et cetera, um, it's, time doesn't matter quite so much. People are used to the fact that it takes a long time to do stuff, to start a new academic program, to launch a new course, to get uh, changes made in policies and so forth. And people kind of tend to, you know, uh, in the university, they just, they work on these things and eventually things come through. In the industry setting, time is always of the essence. Everything that you do is, well, it's not a question of let's get this project going and eventually we'll get to where we want to get. It almost always starts off with, by X date, you will have completed, and then you start to scratch your head, talk to engineering folks, see how are we going to do this, right, etc. 
Uh, that's the biggest difference that I see. Uh, I do think it helps to bring some of the stuff. So here's something that if you end up back in the educational area, uh, back in uh, research or uh, teaching in university, that the experience of working at Microsoft will probably be helpful for that because we'll give you some ideas about um, how to how to help use Teams when you're in uh, under the gun, really, when things have to be done quickly, uh, and uh, a little bit different information probably along that line. So, so what do we do today? Okay, Epic has uh, uh, many, many, many tips. So. Um, uh, Epic is the medical record that we use, and I work on the medical record, and we have we have uh, 720 or something people working in uh, information services division of UNC Health. Uh, at somewhere between a third and a half of those people work on Epic. So there's lots of other stuff that has to do. Now, you have to realize this is for 11 hospitals, hundreds of clinics, uh, 30,000 employees, and uh, a lot of stuff that's uh, highly regulated, uh, very complicated, you know, clinical decisions, giving people the information that they need to do to, to have uh, everything that they need, um, et cetera. So it's, uh, it takes a lot of people to do that. Uh, those of us on the EPIC team are organized pretty much along the lines of the different applications in EPIC. And I had, um, I should have brought this slide today because when I did the other talk that I did, uh, that Sabrina had me do, uh, I had some uh, slides. And I'm going to try and find a slide if you'll give me just a minute to do that. I think it might be interesting. And I have a too many windows up here, but uh, so we did one of these other uh, visits here where we talked about just what are electronic health records and and uh, uh, is that showing? Oh, I didn't get my share button down here. Wait a second here. So as I said, our team that supports Epic at UNC is divided and uh, into these groups, and there's many many groups. And um, Epic likes to have kind of really cute names for everything. And um, so I'll mention one thing even that's uh, it's not on this list right now, but um, called Cupid. So that's one of the applications. And uh, what I use this for with the other uh, students who were on that call was see if you can guess what application, what part of the business of UNC Healthcare is done in the Epic applications with these names. You can guess too loud. <laughs> a beaker, I would think. Um, the the lab. Beaker is the lab. That's right. <laughs> Stork would be like labor and delivery, maybe. Stork is labor and delivery. <laughs> um, ASAP. Hmm. <laughs> Got any ideas, Drea? I don't know. <laughs> um. ASAP. ASAP, right, means pretty quick. Oh, ER, emergency. It is the ER, yes, okay. very good. <laughs> right. Uh, this is so these are, um, yeah, and um, you 
you might be able to guess op time. Um, oh, like a surgical department or? That is a, that's surgery. Yeah, basically <laughs> how the stuff that we do. So, so the analysts in each of these groups work on these things. Uh, any, you know, any others, any, any idea what Willow is? I think radiant is radiology. Radiant is radiology. Right. That's right. Prelude. Okay, you're doing is that like uh, where you sign people in? Yes, it is. Okay. It's registration. Registration. It's registration. Exactly. Right. And then once you've got people in registration, you can set up a cadence for when you're going to see them. So basically, that is scheduling. That's the appointments, right? Okay. Um, I'll, I'll just give you the next slide here. This is what they are. So you guessed pretty well on most of these things. Mm. Uh, Willow is pharmacy. Uh, the Native Americans reportedly would chew the bark of a willow tree when they had a mm. headache because it is a source of acetylsalicylic acid, what we would call aspirin today, mm -hmm. and actually comes from uh, willow bark. So all of the pharmacy stuff that we do in medications is in that. Uh, Bugsy is a more recent one, and that is infection control. So it's, uh, <laughs> but they like to have these really cute names for everything. So Why is oncology beacon? Well, because you want a beacon of hope oh. when you have cancer. Yeah. I, you know, I guess. Um, and um, so they have a lot of, there's also other, as I said at the bottom of the slide here, there's plenty of other parts of Epic, but they have names like hospital billing, professional billing, et cetera, and they mean exactly what they say. So, um, but all those are areas, including the ones that have quite straightforward names. Uh, those all are areas in which we have people working. And it is not necessary to have a computer background to be successful in one of these. We have a lot of folks who really came from the healthcare side. We have a lot of nurses, we have pharmacists, we have some PTs, etc. And they just fell into one thing or another during the time when we were bringing up Epic. You know, a lot of people said, well, I think I could take a crack at that. You know, I, I, I know a lot about scheduling because I've been, you know, a nurse here for a while or whatever, so they kind of ended up uh, learning more about that. And then you go to uh, Wisconsin, to Verona, Wisconsin, near Madison, which is where Epic does all the training. And so all of us that do this have to get certified by taking one or more courses in, in uh, testing uh, uh, for certification. Um, but like I said, a lot of people were able to manage it who did not come through with a computer background. So. Okay, um, so what do we actually do with that then? We, we um, and I don't think I have anything more useful in the slides for you guys, but like I said, I can make them valuable to you. This is how we have things set up here. We have, uh, uh, and again, my uh, main job is uh, research to make sure that uh, clinical research can continue to occur at UNC. Uh, without a hitch and that uh, people get enrolled in the right studies and the things that happen to them get tracked and all the orders and the results get tracked and all the billing goes to the right people. Uh, that's a cooperation that we have with the university side. So all of these uh, items, all of these systems, except for the light blue one on the right side, are actually managed on the university side. So Urbis is the IRB. So, you know, the main regulatory thing is the Institutional Review 
review board that makes sure that the study that you're proposing is not going to hurt people. Uh, and then uh, Ramsey's is the financial application that the university uses to figure out how much money came in on the various grants and how much has been spent and how's it going to be spent, etc. And the UNC person table uh, tracks everybody who works here by their uh, uh, person ID, etc. And um, so that's what we do for those things. Uh, then we have two clinical trial management systems. Uh, the first one uh, was built here at UNC. The other one is a commercial one called Encore. And uh, that's where people create studies. They flow into Epic. Uh, and um, that's how they enroll patients, <coughs> et cetera. So both of those systems. And we are going to collapse them over the next year or so into a single system. We'll use the Encore system for everything. but. Um, you didn't ask about that. So let me get this, get rid of the slides here. I just thought that might be interesting for you to learn some of the names. Mm -hmm. um, the Epic Campus is a very interesting place. Uh, they tend to get rather fanciful with the things that they do. And uh, so uh, rather than every office building being the same, uh, one's a farm, one's a Wild West theme, one's an Asian theme, one's a Dungeons and Dragons theme, and it actually has a, a, a drawbridge and, uh, you know, those types of things. So uh, that's a crazy, uh, crazy place to go. Uh, so, okay. Um, so what would you really like to know now that we haven't talked about? Because I've just been running on trying to think of things you might want to know. <laughs> sure. Um, one of my questions is, like, what are some changes you've seen over the last 10 years or so um, with, like, healthcare institutions integrating EPIC and EHR data, um, positive and negative? Okay. That's very good. Yeah. So in terms of the changes that we see, um, I'll talk about um, – uh, a positive thing is that we have all of those things I just listed there in a single system. Now, they're not always produced that way. There are people who make um, applications. There's companies that are producing applications, and they do just one part of the things that we do in Epic. So there are scheduling systems that are standalone that you can buy. There are systems for anesthesiologists that are made with all kinds of detail that the anesthesiologists want to have, and they are standalone. And you can go ahead, and this is a thing that I think goes through more, most of IT. Um, you can pick the, the, like they say, the best of breed. In other words, pick the best uh, anesthesia system, the best scheduling system, the best system for um, uh, pharmacy and tracking medications, et cetera, and you could buy them all and you would be left with how to hook them all up. And that becomes incredibly complex. So Epic was actually chosen because it's got all those applications and they all talk to each other. So that's an important thing. So the fact that they do, I think, is probably a big pro for the system because that means that when we've got somebody uh, in our hospital, we can find in their chart all of the things that happened to them on an admission, on the floor, uh, in outpatient, 
uh, all the meds they're on, all the procedures, uh, whether they need to have tests for health maintenance, et cetera, uh, how we can connect all of that, and even how we can share that with other providers that they have. So we have something in Epic called Care Everywhere, which means that if you are a patient of ours at UNC and um, you know you break your leg in Durham and they take you to Duke, um, the Duke doctor can find out what medications you're already on, uh, what other conditions you might be suffering from, etc. I mean, you have to sign for this, but once you sign for it, they can get it. It's not like, oh, we have a completely different system of tracking those things. We can't tell you anything about this patient, you know. Um, so that's all good, I think. Having it in one place in a single system, I think it just kind of uh, has many, many good things about it. So what's on the bad side? On the bad side is what I've seen is that doctors now spend a lot more time than they do just talking to patients or physically examining them because the EHR requires a lot of physician and nurse and, you know, other technician input. People have to put stuff in. This is what we did. And um, there are some experiments going on with Epic and with others in terms of making that all, uh, you know, uh, an ask uh, Siri type of thing so that people will be able to talk their way through that. We do have a program called Dragon that our physicians use for their notes, so they are able to, after their after a uh, encounter with a patient or after their whole day, they can come in and they can put notes on people by dictation, right? And it's a pretty good program. It learns your accent because we have people from all different parts of the U.S. as well as all different parts of the world who are physicians at UNC, and it learns how you say hypercholesterolemia. <laughs> if you have an accent, different accent, it, it, it understands those things. Uh, but at the same time, there's still a huge amount of stuff that is not covered in dictating notes and is uh, simply its provider data entry. And so in a sense, we, you know, we gave all this technology to doctors and made them typists. So something's, and that's hard for them because they have to do all their regular work and many times they work at home. Uh, we've got a program at UNC to try to help them organize that time better so they don't have to spend as much what they call pajama time, still doing chart updates, you know, after the kids have gone to bed, after the, you're about ready to end your day and, uh, you know, you've uh, already put in a long day in the clinic and they have to do that. So I went on too long about that, but that's a negative. Uh, and we're struggling to try to make things easier for them. And we are, uh, you know, various projects that we're working on to try to talk with people about uh, what does make it easier? How do we get things that other folks can take care of for you? How do we make the data entry easier? Then how do we make sure that we pull any information that is actually hidden somewhere else up to where you need to see it so you don't have to enter it again and you don't have to be searching, searching, searching for it. So anyway, so those are my answers to your pros and cons of EHRs. Cool. And 
to follow up on that. So do you think Epic, um, do you think its only concern is like the data entry or is it just data entry or do you think, um, cause I know a lot of people are trying to do like data analysis with Epic data or EHR data. So do you think the company, and I know you don't speak for them on the company's behalf, but right. do you think about like the analysis portion of it any and how to basically like make it easier for analysis to happen? So like, yes, you know, yeah. No, that I, I, I totally agree. So that is another plus um, because once you have, and it's, it's very important because once you have uh, discrete data points, you can do something with them. And once you collect stuff in the same place and you collect it over time, then you have ability to, to analyze that data and find out stuff. And so we have a large analytics group that um, does that just operationally so we can see whether uh, every department uh, is having the same issues, whether it's with bed management or uh, pharmaceuticals uh, delivery, uh, whether it's with billing, etc. And um, so there's a great number of uh, uh, analyses being done, dashboards prepared for executives, dashboards prepared for um, physician leaders um, that tell them, you know, what's happening, what is happening in the system. And that is a big change also that I've seen over my career is that when data becomes available, whoever's running the place really wants that data, and as they should, right? So you want to know how many missions you've had and how many people return within 30 days of admission, and the government wants to know that too because it's a Medicare point of concern, et cetera. Um, so uh, we also have, uh, I mentioned the Trax Institute before, the Trax is just one of the places that is also doing, you know, crunching those same numbers uh, for research. So we can see what is the best kind of treatment, which it does, you know, we do a knee uh, replacement in one way and we do it in another way. And uh, it seems like when we do it in the first way, uh, everybody spends about uh, two days extra in the hospital or more time in retail, rehab. <clears throat> so we want to say, hey, folks, let's look at doing it the other way uh, because it has that benefit and you can show people the data. And, um, you know, they, it doesn't mean that uh, that kind of data directs all the things that physicians do by any means. But um, they can use it. They can use it to make decisions about what's the rest therapy to do and, and not just that, but how, what's the best way to manage the clinic? Why are we so busy on Thursdays? I, you know, I mean, you, you have to look at data for that type of thing to fix any of those things. So yeah, it's very useful. Yeah. I'll ask you a question. Um, sure. I, you talked about all the changes that you've gone through over your career. I was wondering if you ever um, had to implement a change where you maybe the people were resistant to the change and how you dealt with that. Yeah, um, uh, certainly have. Um, and I'll just use Epic as an example because when we started working uh, 20, late 2012, early 2013 on bringing Epic into UNC, uh, we had a long way to go. First of all, it's very complicated. You got to work out a lot of different things. There's a lot of help from Epic. Uh, but um, you have to make a lot of decisions and so forth. But you also change some of the things that people do and the way that they do their workflow. And so there was considerable resistance to that. Uh, not to everything, but to some of the stuff that we do. And again, my main uh, uh, 
Research, and I also worked genomics. Uh, but main main job at that time was research. Like I said, getting research up and running here, and people had, you know, big notebooks that they had with a lot of information about the study. And we said we're going to try to move that online. We still haven't moved it all online. There's still a lot of specifics about the study that people track, but we moved a great deal of it online. And that seemed to be uh, just a difficult change for people to go through. And um, so we did get a lot of pushback on it. Um, I can't say though, I can, I can tell you what I think, why I think we succeeded, but it's not a solution that you can always apply. We succeeded because the healthcare system and the university had come together, made that decision, and not only said it's going to happen, they said it's going to happen on April 4th of 2014. We're going to flip a switch, and you got to be in it or not in it. And, uh, you know, and that's that just kind of, that was what made it work for us. Because in the end, we said, we'll listen to your, you'll listen to your problems, your complaints, your worries, et cetera. We will try to address them with any uh, technology changes that we can, any training changes, et cetera. Uh, but in the end, this is a done deal. You know, this is this. It's coming, and you got to do it. And that is, um, you know, the most persuasive thing to get people to adopt uh, new technology is inevitability. You know, it's the same thing as saying, okay, uh, you know, everybody has to send their information to the state government from your school, right? You got to send it in the same way. Well, if if everyone has to send stuff in the same way, then if you have a way to help them that you say, well, you have to use this program, they're going to want to learn the program because if they realize that's it. So you don't always have that though. Sometimes you're bringing a new technology in. And I would think with what we're doing in genomics is a little bit different because in genomics, uh, everyone can see it coming. They can see how genetic information is becoming a bigger part of healthcare seeing that more and more decisions as they go through their future are going to be considerably changed as we learn more about what uh, what one's genetic makeup means in terms of your likelihood to develop disease, in terms of the progression of that, in terms of how you're going to react to certain therapies, medications. Uh, but it's not right upon people. It, it's not inevitable. It's not. It doesn't have that you got to do by this date, you got to change everything you do to precision medicine driven by genomics. Because for one thing, uh, the geneticists don't have all the answers yet. Although they've learned a lot and there's more stuff happening, uh, they don't have all the answers. And we can't say to people, this is absolutely the right way to treat this patient. But we can say there's a high probability that you would be better off testing this person for some of these things. And so there's sort of a cell that has to take place there. Um, and um, so it sort of remains to be seen how fast it'll take off. We've got some folks that are interested. We've got some things already set up that we're using in some areas. Uh, and that's a changing uh, picture because uh, even what Epic has built, it is retooling constantly. And uh, we expect it to be a lot different in the next couple of years. So. Uh, from there, I think we just have to do a lot of education. Uh, it always helps to have champions in the in the institution who uh, support this and want to help you do something. Uh, so, 
So I wish you well, Bria, as you try to get people to use new technology. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, I think you've answered all of my questions. I don't know, Lana, if you have any more. I'm trying to think of some more. <laughs> you don't have to fill up the hour. It's, all, it's okay. It's, it's, it's fine. Um, I think it's, uh, it's been an interesting discussion. I mm -hmm. hope that I've helped you guys. It's only my experience and my opinions, so. Thank you so much. Bria, did you have something you wanted to say? Uh, no, I just wanted to thank him for um, taking the time to speak to me today. I really appreciate it, and it was very informative and helped me learn a lot more about EHR and EPIC. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. Great. Okay. Well, I wish you well. Lana, have you done some of these others? Yes, I've been on all of these calls. <laughs> wow, so you're getting a lot of information. From yes, it's been helpful for me too. <laughs> okay, great, okay. Well, all right, uh, nice talking to you both. Have a great rest of your day. And Thank you. um, uh, stay safe. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye.